Welcome to From the Heart with Daniel Groom and Dawn Lister of Anahata Yoga Center. Today we welcome Maria Naylor on our podcast. We're so excited to talk to Maria, a successful recording artist, now a sound medicine therapist, a mother, friend, and all around cool, amazing healer. We're so excited to talk to you, Maria. So let's just check in together. How is everybody today? Daniel, how are you? I am well, thank you, Dawn. Um, today's a bit of a momentous day, actually. At the start of lockdown, I decided to read um, a volume of books by um, a, a queer author called um, Armistice Maupin, who wrote Tales of the City. And I've just finished the last Tale of the City book last night. Eight, eight editions I've read of it. And do you know what? I just loved it because I know you've read it as well, Dawn. But it's so interesting because it follows queer people from the 70s up until the present day. And it's really interesting the way that it's evolved and changed and the language has changed. And there's certain things that used to be said around certain demographics of queer people that aren't used now because they're derogatory but also the use of the word queer actually being regained by the queer community again as something that we can describe ourselves with and I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it so it feels like a momentous time and I want to I want to write to Armistice to say thank you to him so I'm going to do that after the podcast. <laughs> I think, I think or Armistead, I'm pretty sure Armistead Moppin now lives in London. He does, yes, in oh. Clapham. <laughs> Not that I've been stalking him. him. <laughs> I, I saw the season on TV, the old, the original, and then I saw the, the remake, and then they've got an up-to-date version. It's incredible. I just absolutely loved everything about it. I'm up for going up to Clapham and hanging out outside his house and trying to she get him can, out for coffee. Should go and stalk him. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. How are you, Maria? How's how's? Oh, life? hello. Hi. I'm very well, thank you. Lovely to be here and um, listening to you. Just chat then. It's really interesting, actually, because we're obviously talk about this later on. But reclaiming words um, is kind of a big one in my family in a mixed race relationship as well. Certain words have come back to my children where there's a bit of resistance in the house with the certain words, but really interesting that you tapping on that Daniel actually because um yeah but we can talk about that later on with sound and words and the meanings behind and the way we say them mm. Mm. I, I often think um when I think about where we'll come back to this again but we're starting so let's just go for it a little bit yeah that words are like spells like Absolutely. When, you bring, when you bring something into consciousness and then express it through through sound it creates a, a whole shift in your energy. And then what happened next? In fact, I was speaking to a therapist about just this yesterday. And she was saying, people are so frightened to come in for a session because somehow the talking seems so overwhelming and I wish I could make that more comfortable. And my feeling on that is that they feel like that because they know deep down when they say it out loud, something's gonna change. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a fine line with things like that and the words we say. Um, and it's also like you say the meaning behind it and the color of the voice when we're saying it and the intention behind it mm. so but just talking what daniel said about reclaiming old words that were from a an almost bad narrative um, um and, and an anti-narrative like that you know the word queer and the n-word which i find really hard to say but my children are quite fluent with it in their ways of using it in a positive way using it in a brotherhood way mm. um but, I, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, 
it's the intention behind it sometimes and I just think that comes with age as well there's certain words that my mum doesn't want to use that we use so it is a generational thing sometimes about bringing these words to the forefront trying to understand what they mean understand what they carry for some people and respecting that absolutely um, yeah um, I'm very um, yeah, go on. I, I was just going to say, I think it's really important when we're using words and sometimes we're using words because we don't know what is the correct terminology or yeah. words to use. Yeah. So I think the most polite thing is to actually ask someone, I, in my vocabulary, I may use this word and what does yeah. it mean to you or does it, yeah. make, does it create offence to you? And by doing that, it opens a dialogue around, I'm not using this to harm you. Yes. I'm, I'm using it because it's in my vocabulary and I don't know what other else other words to yeah. use. And maybe you can educate me around what I should or shouldn't be using currently. And I think because that's the big fear, isn't it? People are scared yeah. of getting it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, because at, but at the end of the day, it's what resonates with you. It's, so if, if anything that one has been said any words may have a different, they're all gonna have a different resonance for different people. So th the situation that happened indoors was my children were playing a record that had a lot of words of like, uh, what my husband would see as not very nice words <laughs> to do with sort of black history. And they were blasting it out. And my husband came in and he came up to the rooms and he said, I don't want this music played. I don't want this in my house because it does this to me. Where my son faced him up and said, okay, you need to chill about that, Dad, because now it's not like this, it's this. So they could see this confrontation between them both. And I just got in the middle and said, listen, at the end of the day, this is your father's home. And this is about respecting. If this hurts somebody, don't use it. That's what I would say to anyone. If these words yeah. are offensive to anybody, don't use it. If they're not offensive to you, choose your moments. But most of these they're quite shocking to some people when you hear it and they're not to others. So you're absolutely right. It's finding a space where we can deliver words with a, with a nice intention behind it, but that doesn't always, it's not always what the other person hears and it's their story and it carries, it carries a, it carries a lot of resonance for that, for that person. If it's not in, the, in a comfortable place, what they're hearing, does that make sense? So you're absolutely right. But it's so hard to say, you're right with me using these words. Because sometimes people will go, well, actually, no, I'm not. But a lot of people don't say, no, I'm not, because they don't know how to say, no, I'm not. Mm. I mean, we've jumped right in the middle and we've not really gone from the beginning of, mm. of sounding ourselves and trying to find where we speak from is really important. It's not always the words we use. It's, it's from a place of where we're saying it in the throat. Um, how soft we say it. Sorry, it's Dawn. No, no, Trixie. Well, let's go back. You, okay. you, we wanna, I want to have you on like eight times because I know there's so many things we could be talking about and you have so much wealth of knowledge. So let's let's go right back to the beginning and let's okay. put stuff in context and say, okay. can you tell us a little bit about your roots, what you used to do, still do actually, and okay. how that has grown into who you are now. Okay, so I found singing very very early in my life I think as well looking back is a funny thing because I always sang and people said you are gifted with this voice I think I used that a little bit to to get my own way as a child I thought okay I can sing to them this is going to get my own way I think learning to use voice very early on to almost put people in a spell 
I, I learned that quite early. Um, but it, as I got older through it, I, well, no, actually, let's, let's just start that again without jumping. So I sang very much as a child and almost used voice to manipulate in, not knowing I was doing it in a negative way or a positive way. I just knew as a child, I have something here. So I'm going to use that in order to find my path and maybe help other people find their path. Because singing, when you go, when somebody sings, something happens. There's a magic. Um, I think when anybody hears singing, not so much music, because obviously music is magic, but I do think when the human ear hears a human voice, magic happens. So I think I grasped that quite quickly as a child. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a singer. I had massive support from my parents. Being a singer in the 1970s is nothing like trying to be a singer these days. There weren't a lot of singers. I didn't have a lot of competition. My school really supported me. We didn't have all the, the television programs like we do now. So having said that, I had a, a lot of people say, you're never gonna make it as a singer because there weren't the platforms to put me on. Um, whereas now there's lots of platforms for singers to go on and show their voice. So went through school singing, um, joined bands, wasn't very academic, really. I'd say the school kind of knew that as well. And like nowadays, I would say that schools do the opposite. They're very, very academic and they knock the arts and music out the window. Where when I was at school, they nurtured that in me. And I said, right, okay, you're gonna sing for the school. You're gonna do this for the school, that for the school with your voice. So I did a lot of dancing for the school. So I missed loads of maths because I was supporting the school through music. Um, but there's a balance in that. And I was okay with that. My parents were all okay with that. So did that, went on to performing arts. Knew I didn't really want to go to drama school. And I didn't really want to go onto the West End stage, but I knew going through that kind of training with the voice, going into sort of more classical training with the voice was a way forward. Um, so I ended up really just joining bands and doing writing and, was fortunate enough to meet some great producers. And um, one of my first breaks was with a producer called Youth, who was part of S-Express in 1991-92. And um, he heard my, some of my music and I joined them. And then it was, I was on the train then, I was on the music industry train. I just never got off and I'm still on it. Um, I'm still very much part of the music industry. So over the years, I got asked to work with some great artists. All in all, I've sold over 20 million records worldwide. I've toured the world. I've had amazing, amazing time um, in the music industry. And like I say, I'm still in the music industry as such. But um, I'd say in 2013, I was having a little sense of, this is a very funny thing to say this because some people think, God, you've had the most amazing life. How could you be in that position? But I don't think it matters. Sometimes we find ourselves in a position where there's something missing. Um, the music industry only gives you so much and takes loads. So I was kind of tired from that, even though I'd had still quite a lot of success to it. I knew I needed to do more with voice. So, I mean, I've been teaching singing for the last sort of 15 years, but I knew it wasn't that. I knew there's something I need to do with voice and I don't know what it is. Um, actually, Dawn, I remember sitting with you do you remember this in the cafe i remember i remember yeah. and i remember so, it feeling important that that there was a turning point for you happening at that time yeah but but it wasn't i really remember walking into that cafe and seeing you and a couple of friends sitting down i didn't really know your friends and i we, we were all having a little bit of what we're doing now where do we want to go and 
I just remember that conversation feeling, God, I actually do feel like this. This is real inside me. You know, you've got to investigate this. And um, having a few tears of realisation with you at that time, when I left that cafe, I was like, that surprised me how I reacted. And I thought, okay, there is something. I need to explore this. So I put it out to the universe, kind of that I need something more. And I don't know how long after that, I just remember meeting a lady who explained to me about, do you know about sound therapy? Mm. And those words, when she said, do you know about sound therapy, stopped me in my tracks. And I just went, what is that? And then she led me to the British Academy of Sound Therapy at Chichester Uni, where I trained. And so, yeah, the rest is history when it comes to sound therapy. That was my introduction to sound therapy. So what is the difference between sound, sound therapy and music? You know, for someone, for someone that okay. doesn't really understand what sound therapy is, how would you describe the differences, Maria? Okay, so, well, we all love music. We all know music does something to us. Um, and finding our favourite artists, finding what resonates with us. Um, so that's, that's just, everyone loves some music. I don't think I've ever met anyone that doesn't, that says, I don't like music. Um, so that's just enjoying music. Sound therapy is very, it's very specific to the body. So we look in sound therapy. So everything is sound. Let's, let's go at the beginning. So if we look at everything is sound. So everything is vibrating. Okay. On a, on, um, so a, a stone is vibrating as much as my computer's vibrating next to me. Everything is moving and everything is sound. So if we look at that in the body, we can use sound. If we are sound, we can use sound in a therapeutic way to calm us down and to find some comfort and find some ease from anxiety and from stress. So as a sound therapist, what I would do is you would lay down and with my voice, with Himalayan singing bowls, with tuning forks, with chimes, high-pitched bells, and also with percussion, drums and gong, we can look and measure what's running overactive in your body and what's running underactive in your body. And by using these tools on your body, we can facilitate a space where we can try and calm your system. So for instance, if you were to lay on my bed and I could measure the sound over you, I can sometimes say to you, okay, your feet are overactive. There's, a, there's an overactiveness. There's a, there's a woo, 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 that's picking up from you to my tools, whether it be in my voice or the bowls or the tuning forks. And you'll hear it. You will hear whether there's a, a discordance there, a dissonance there, or whether there's an uploading um, chord that will come up in its pitch. When you run that over the body, you can read, you can scan yourself and read it quite easily. So knowing that and finding that in the body, when we can allocate what is overactive and underactive, we can use certain sounds in the body to calm that down. What we're looking for, Daniel, is we're looking for a flow from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, running down our spine. We would like a nice flow. But in today's society, we are constantly getting bombarded with lots of different frequencies hitting us left, right and centre. So that's going to move. We're constantly moving in different directions. So if I can just say, so the human ear can hear between anything between 20 hertz and 20,000 hertz. Um, we measure sound in 
frequency and in hertz we measure it by hertz so we also measure it in decibels the volume of it so let's say a human body at rest in the middle of the day sitting down quietly can be resonating anything between on a frequency basis your frequency can be resonating anything between i think it's something like 62 and 70 hertz your decibels are anything between 70, 68 and 78 and so that's quite chilled but it only takes somebody to walk into the room or you hear something on the news. It can change your resonance and your frequency right up to 120. It can really zap you. <laughs> so it, I think when, when, when you read a little bit more about sound healing and sound therapy, it's, it's so easy to apply and so easy to understand how you can get knocked off. And you can, so sympathetic resonance, for instance, is when, when, so when two tuning forks can blend together, so to be in harmony. And we look at that as when a, a singer can break a glass, that voice is resonating the same pitch of that glass. So if someone walks in the room and you look at them, you will feel whether you like that person or not or what that person's doing for you. We know that when someone is in our space and they're at a lower frequency, mm. we can have high frequency that's, that are bad as well. Some low frequencies are healthy. So let's, let's not look at high and low frequencies as bad or good yet. It all depends where you are in the balance. So if someone's walking in with a resistance, that's gonna affect your vibration and your frequency. And that's why we sometimes say, you know, be careful who's around you, be careful who drained your energy here and and look at the people that fuel you with such great vibes you know we use a lot of these sound terminologies without us realizing what we're talking about when we're out of sync you know we're out of tune um so you know it is looking at who is in our company the things we read what we see sometimes it's out of our control sometimes things are going to come into our space and tip us upside down but i think when you when you understand sound therapy, you understand the tools. You'll have the tools through your voice, through certain sounds you can make in the body to calm the body and to put you back into the ground mm. and to get you grounded back on the floor. So I, I was just, as you were speaking, Maria, it's so beautiful to hear you speak so eloquently about sound therapy. But I was really thinking about, from a yogic perspective, the use of prana and prana being the vital force or the life force within us and the yogic practice being around directing prana as a flow through the body because yeah, actually absolutely. if the prana gets stuck then it can lead to some form of um, discomfort which yeah, over absolutely. a period of time could lead to disease or yeah. lead to illness but equally uh, 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 an uh, over excessive amount of prana leading to states of anxiety or ill health or kind of feelings of, of feeling quite unsettled and I think what I've learned through some work that I had the fortune of, 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 of being part of some of your workshops and also my own practice of going back to almost the very tradition of yoga, which is the use of mantra and the use of sound yeah. and the making of these, these sacred sounds. It doesn't matter how you make them. It doesn't matter if they are made in a kind of Western sing-songy way. 
It's about the intention behind yeah. that sound and where that sound resonates within you and the connection that that sound has to the, the yogic practice and the, 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 the different energies that that pulls upon it. Would that align with what you're saying about oh. sound? Yes, completely. yes, completely. It's, it's really interesting because one of the, the one, the main things we do in sound therapy, where you're talking about the prana coming in and the flow in the body. So we do something called a siren where we bring in the sound with our lips together from, from the, your very, very top note that you can make. So we have to try and drop our musicality here and, and understand that when we're sounding, nothing is out of tune as in like with the Western scale. I mean, when I was training, coming in from being a professional singer, where in all my training, it's about pitch perfect and not being flat or not being sharp. When I came in to do the sound training, my teacher kept saying to me, Maria, drop your musicality. You're too Western with the scale. You're not gonna hear or sing the notes between the notes because you don't go there. Because I had a, a big resistance in that because I, as far as I was concerned, I'm like, well, that's out of tune. She said, well, nothing's out of tune in sound therapy when you're, when you're sounding. It is trying to find the notes between the notes that I've been trained in and how beautiful was that to explore? So really similar to what you were saying is we, with a siren, we keep our, our lips together. We bring in a sound or your highest squeak. So it's your, it's your sound. It's not about like when you bring the sound in, you, it's about embracing it and not resisting it going, oh, I'm not sure if I like that frequency out there. It's not that you just embrace it all because it's part of your tone you'll find your signature note by doing sirens. When you bring in the sound from the top of the body, it comes all the way down your body. I'll just give you a little quick example of what I mean. So we kind of go. So we're starting right from the top, we go right down to the bottom. But what we're looking for here is we're, we're doing an inner sound bath. We're scanning ourselves through sound to see where our blocks are. And it's really interesting because when you do this with people, some people can't get down. Some people will come down in massive steps as opposed to a slur. Some people get stuck on a certain note and can't come down. And it's highlighting where your blocks are. So for instance, some, somebody might go, and they're like, I can't get down anymore. And then we're like, okay, that's where we need to work. Where is that in the body? Let's try and soften that. And one thing I have to say that I feel is really, really important, because I may forget this, is when you knock yourself or hurt yourself, you will naturally sound somewhere, whether you sound inwardly with a swear word, where sometimes we go, oh, God, I'm going like this, <laughs> or whether it's just like, ow, or ah, oh, or ah. Oh. Wherever you naturally sound when you've hit yourself is the sound that pain needs to soothe itself. It is as simple as that. We make sounds, it's natural, but we don't listen to our body with things like that. We just may make the sound and then just move on and take a tablet. Well, actually, that sound is what your body needs. So the one magical thing about learning about sound therapy is giving these tools to people. You can do this, you have a voice. Find your frequency notes, find your signature tune and and learn to navigate your body through sound with your lips together, finding where the sound is behind your eyes, find where the sound is in your throat or in your sinuses, find where it is in your chest. 
you can locate a sound of anything that's going on in your body. There's a, an amazing research going on at the moment um, with scientists that are looking at, it's, it's, it's part of ultrasound, it's, we've had that for a while, but we're looking a little bit more intrinsically at this and looking at if a, if a tumour has a frequency, which it does, then why can't we have an apparatus with the same, find the frequency of that tumour and blast it? And that's what they're looking at now. And there's huge research going into this. But it's already there almost, but it's a really hard thing to introduce because it's going to knock out a lot of big pharma when we know. I mean, sound therapy is the fastest growing newish therapy in the West, although it is 8,000 years old. There are so many... Um, there's a wonderful woman actually called Annie Williams who does sound alchemy and she's an anthropologist and she's worked a lot in Egypt and they have found in the you know in pyramids in the tombs of 8,000 years old drawings of sound therapy it's wow. just phenomenal I know so it, it's although it's the newest up-and-coming sound therapy it is one of the oldest it's, it's really in interesting what you say, Maria, because actually from a yogic perspective, when you go and read um, some of the very ancient scriptures that they were written sort of five, six thousand years ago, they always say the first point to go back to is sound or, or in yeah. yoga's case, mantra, but the, the making it. of sound, you know, yeah. and the connecting of that sound to either free yourself from what you feel you need to let go of or to bring you closer to your authentic voice or to yes. your authentic self. And that modality sits perfectly, doesn't it, with, yes. with sound therapy? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. It's, so when someone said to me, well, look, everything is sound, so we can treat everything with sound. I was like, why is, why is this not being taught in school? Why is no one teaching children this? Because also as well, you know, this is so helpful in communication skills because we look a lot in sound therapy with our voice because our voice is our sound so you know we go really in depth of the colors of the voice and the intention behind the voice like we said before the words we use and what that means to people um and, and us, especially nowadays where we need a lot of kindness we need a lot of gentle voices really we need some firm voices but they need to be gentle in the way of their message mm. um and, 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 you know, this is so vast. I mean, there's another side to sound therapy where I've treated people with trying to be heard. Just people that have come to me and said, you know, I can't be heard in the workplace or I'm just not being heard. And that's extremely unpowerful for someone if they can't be heard, you know? So we look at why you can't be heard and we look at the body as a whole through sound and whether you're, a lot of people that can't be heard are speaking from the wrong place because they're not grounded. So they'll have higher pitch voices because they're not on the ground. As soon as you put someone into a grounding state, the voice of the resonance will drop. And so the resonance booms a little bit more so people are heard. It's so simple to tune somebody, but so, I mean, it's so magnificent, that's all I can say. And it's, it's so easy. I mean, the way I'm talking might sound a little bit difficult in some ways, but it isn't. It really, if you have a voice and you have vocal cords, you, you can do this work, you know. I just listening, it's, it, there's so much um, depth to this. I mean, what comes to my mind as I'm listening to you talk is in our society today, so many people are not given their voice. Um, children are often brought up in a way where it's not okay and it's not safe to express themselves. Um, and, you know, put in pigeonholes and 
and and maybe if they do express themselves not just children adults also um they worry about you know if they're going to feel accepted if they're going to feel heard and they maybe they're coming from a place inside them that's very fearful and so the very idea of expressing themselves is terrifying you know in yoga we speak about working through the chakra system and the the energy wheels and really and we can use various mantras and sounds to help support that but is that something that you work with you know as you work with clients noticing that perhaps they're very fearful around using their voice fearful about expressing themselves and i guess also if we were to expand that further to say not just in their voice but i guess that will show up in all areas of their life how they express themselves um, in the workplace in their relationships um, sexually, um, and how they identify as, as people in every way. Is that, is that something that you would say you work with people in, in a kind of a global way? Yes, completely. Um, it, it, it's really interesting when you talk, when you talk about, um, you know, parents, how they, what they say to children, but equally, <laughs> you know, a lot of my young students, I have to say to them, don't tell your mum to shut up. Don't tell your dad to stop singing. Because there's a lot of parents that will come to me and say, well, I can't really say that now because my child has said, oh, I've got a teenager that says, oh God, don't sing. Oh God, you can't. So we have to look at both ways here because it's equally, could you understand, it's equally, you, you might think sort of growing up, we have a voice and we have children and the children can close us down as well. So mm. it is in both ways. And yes, with children, a lot of the work that I do with youngsters um, is very music based and it, and it is, it's, it's, it's singing, it's toning, it's calling exercises. It's, it's not always about singing in tune. Like I said before, it's like mad sounds we have to make, finding sounds in the body. One of the, the loveliest things when you say to somebody, tone where you think your arm is. And when you've done a little bit, a bit of explanation uh, and exploration about sound in the body, people can close their eyes and find the sound of their arms. Now I know for the listener, I might go, really, how do they do that? But once again, it's coming back to the fundamentals of voice and the fundamentals of toning and overtoning when you hold a one note, which is a fundamental note and you use all of your other articulators to capture different sounds through the cavities of our noses so we're making lots of different sounds at the same time children find that amazing um sometimes it is coming away from the western scale with children because children make noise children when we, there's something called vocal fry and it's it's a great massage um for your bass notes and just and it's very uh, when i do that with kids or even when i do that with adults they'll also go oh my god i do i did that as a child Mm. children love doing funny noises they don't actually want to be told to stay on that tone and stay on that note and only do that if you get a, a lot of young children in a choir they want to do their own thing mm. and I'm very much about exploring that the more you can tell a child to explore their voice the better communicators they will be mm. but that does also go with as they grow you need to tell your children to don't tell anyone to shut up really, because it can backfire on the parent. I've seen it so many times. There are so many adults that come to me and a lot of it is because their children have said, oh my God, you're such a bad singer. You're all right, mum, shut up. You know, the things, the word shut up is, is hugely powerful in so many ways. In, you know, it's, it's, it's said so freely without realizing the connotations, what that does to someone. And, you know, the word shut up is huge. And I try 
to not have that in my vocabulary at all. I think when we shut anything down, it's it's very limiting, isn't it? I mean, energetic yes. receiving that word makes you tighten. And yes, I think completely. if any part of us is shut down, shut up, shut away, and um, that's only going to, in the long term, cause conflict. So I guess I wanted to ask the question is if somebody has something out of um, their resonance is that if that's the right expression isn't quite right in their body for a long period of time how might that show up for them physically emotionally mentally oh so just say that again dawn if if they have something so, so, that's been stagnant in them for yeah, a long time yeah yeah um well one of the first things we do when they come for a sound therapy session is is by me scanning certain things over their body that shows up. You hear it straight away. Mm. There, but it's so if we are sound and we have something that is built up and built up and it's become quite constrict and quite hard, mm. sound without a shadow of a doubt is going to soften it. Mm. Sound will soften it straight away. It will go in and soften it. So what we do is it will scan. Sound will scan the body and go into any of our holding patterns. And we all have holding patterns. We have holding places in the body where dis-ease will go, little traumas go, stresses, anything that's said to us, it goes into the body somewhere. It's down to us how we soften that and how we let that go. But if we don't know those tools, sometimes we just hold on to them. Mm. So, and we've all had that where it's still there. I can feel it's still there. But certain sounds, certain music, certain tones, certain frequencies, will be in the body to soften there's always a frequency to soften something in the body of dis-ease always because we are sound it's just having the trust to find it and you can find it with your voice mm. you know you so can find and it's sometimes sitting there and constantly toning you know we talked about mantra and um, Icaros is one of the things that I, I was given when I studied in Peru for a little while I sat with the tribes there and really wanted to learn their medicine songs and their ways and you know, with, with mantras and Icaros, but especially Icaros, they are so ancient that they don't even know where they've come from. They're like medicine songs that they sing in ceremonies. And they they come from plant medicines, these songs from the ancients. Um, and I was so privileged to be sitting there and them telling me them and them giving and, and gifting me some of these to, to work in the West with some of these. And, you know, I sing some of these mantras and Icaros to people and it breaks people <laughs> in a good way, breaking them down in order to rebuild themselves. Because sometimes in sound therapy, you have to go into a place of, what can I say? Into a place of, it's not really self-doubt as such, but it puts you in a place of resonance where you think, oh my God, where am I? Where, where am I buzzing here? And it's, it's down to a sound facilitator in order to hold that space and go, okay, this is what this means. This is what I'm getting. The sound from you here is this sound. What do you think that means to you? Can you change that sound? Can you soften it? Can you make it louder? Can you, can you hear it? Can you sound it for me? It's, it's a real big exploration when we go into sound therapy. It's vast. I think it's fascinating, this. I just... The idea, you know, that in what was, as we understand it now, South America, but, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, they were using sound to heal people. Yeah. Yeah. But then, in addition, that was also going on in Asia as well, yeah. thousands and thousands yeah. of miles away from each other. They'd also realised there's some connection with sound to heal people 
which is where mantra has come from and where the yogic tradition is, has grown from. And then we're going back to these fundamental basics of how to heal yourself yeah. by the use of vibration and sound. Absolutely. Right, now, absolutely. I, I remember very distinctly the first time that I was in one of the a group sound medicine sessions that you did at the studio. I had no concept really of what was happening, but I was took on like a journey in my mind. And I just remember all these different vibrations. And it was almost like this way that I was kind of passing back through my mind, but yeah. also passing beyond my conscious mind. And I was going back. And the only way I could describe it was it was like I was going back through past lives almost. Mm, it, felt, it felt very safe. It felt very, very contained. Mm. But also it felt very freeing to be able to do that. And for that to be done from vibration, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? I know. <laughs> it is mind-blowing. And the other thing is really mind-blowing as well. Um, and I've only really been touching on this in the last couple of years. So, you know, I've been a singer all my life and singing and just singing around the house and making funny noises and doing what we do. It wasn't until I went to Peru where they were sort of saying, you know, you can, um, can you channel so I said, well, what does that mean? So they said, well, you channel sound. So, so if you're in a meditative state and we're, or, or, or you're on any plant medicines or you're, you're just in a meditative state, we start to tone and start to sing and then let, let spirit or let whatever it is come through you. So I kind of obviously was thinking, okay, I'll, I'll have a go at this, but I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and obviously I would try it and I would, be sounding and toning and I, but I was very much very much in my body still and going yeah okay that's still me though that, okay and I didn't I thought I was doing it but then I wasn't sure but it wasn't until only a year ago that I actually went to a cacao ceremony and this really got me actually it actually really made me up I just couldn't stop crying it was so powerful for me that it was just cacao. I mean, cacao is beautiful. And it was this ancient cacao we were drinking and we were all in a beautiful space with everybody. And there were some lovely musicians there. And this guy just started playing. And out of nowhere, I just started to hum and tone and sing. And then I just went, it just went, it, and it wasn't me. And I remember singing and I had my eyes closed. I was totally, I was in the room, but that wasn't me in my voice. Something was in my voice and I was reaching these amazing notes that I've never reached. And I kept going, closing my eyes thinking, oh my God, this is what channeling is. Whatever is going on, this is the most amazing feeling ever. And when I opened my eyes, the 10 people in the room were absolutely in bits. I mean, it gets me now thinking about it and we all were really emotional and, I just said, I don't know what happened there. They were like, what was that? You just, I don't know what that sound was and I don't know where it came from, but I need to really look at that. And that's something I'm looking at now because that only happened a year ago and I've done it three times, but it's not something that you go, okay, I'm going to channel now. Something happens. Yeah. And, I, and I'm still looking at the magic of that. I'm learning that. It's really interesting, Maria. I've been, so with my teacher, um, Lisa Kaylee Isley, she introduced me to some mantras that we've been using through the whole of the COVID epidemic. 
So we started with a mantra called the Mahamitranjaya mantra, which is all about healing. And it's about healing yourself and healing others. Mm-hmm. And then we've moved on to the next mantra, which is the Gayatri mantra, which is quite a famous mantra, but it's from the from Ganesh's, Ganesh's perspective. So this kind of okay. blocker of obstacles. Okay. But when we went, so we were individually chanting, but then chanting as a group on Facebook and then connecting with other people that were chanting all around the world. And that con- that, collect- oh, huge. that collective energy that I felt on the days when I felt really connected with the mantra was so powerful. And there was something about, you know, the fact that you knew this mantra has been chanted for thousands of years by millions and millions of different people, all at times when they've needed support or they've been able to give support to others. And that collective coming together is so powerful, isn't it? And oh, I, absolutely. I, I would liken yeah. to kind of what you experienced there was just you had this collective resource from yeah. wherever yeah. it came from. Yeah, wherever <laughs> it came from, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, exactly that. Sound, sound can take you, yeah, to these places of unknown, <laughs> yeah. you know, through this meditative state, can't they? You know, it's just... just and actually, I mean, I, I, I know it's something that we both love, but... If I reflect back to my teenage and twenties and thirties and loving house music and that yeah. collective, that yeah, coming together absolutely. of people, and I know it was heightened by drugs, but actually the music was the most important thing because if the music wasn't there, yeah. the collective wouldn't have been there, the drugs wouldn't have been there. So actually, by having something to collectively come together. And whether that's a choir, whether that's a house music, whether that's a concert, yeah. whether that's just your family coming together and singing happy birthday all together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's something magical about people collectively doing something. There is. Together. And, it's- you know, the human voice, which is what, this is what I love about the human voice. So I've run choirs before and I've actually one of the one of the choirs I ran, um, I specifically ran it for people that say I can't sing. And this is a bit weird <laughs> because I was a bit. Everybody can sing. Everybody has a voice and everybody can sing in their own way. And, I, and, and people would say, can you teach anyone to sing? Well, I can teach anyone to sing better because it's about ear training, a lot of it. But however, what I found fascinating was the people that would come to the choir, when you get them to sing on their own, you know, it, it's, it's singing on your own is like bearing your soul for people that, you know, it, it's a big thing. But people don't want to sing or even even in the sound therapy and workshops that I've been doing when we have to sound the chakras or just introducing that if people don't know we're going to do that people can close down they get a lump in their throat you know it, 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 I think it stems back as well from when we were in the classroom and the teachers asking us to stand up and read a page you know the, the trauma in people's voices having to be heard is such a big thing so so when you get singers in a room or non-singers as they call themselves they just want to they always the people I used to want to get to the choir would say, I would meet them on the street and they knew I sang and they would say, oh, I'd love to be able to sing. Then I'd say, right, come to my choir. Because I feel people like that wanted to use their voices. So we would, for instance, we would get a few people just to sing on their own. But as soon as you have 10 people sing one line, everybody's in tune with the Western scale. What? So you could be, 
you could have very bad ear training and you know not know how to hold a certain note to a western scale but you put that person with two other people or three other people you can it is the most magical thing when you get groups of people singing together it almost becomes in harmonics so even when we're sounding in these workshops you know these people aren't coming they're not coming as singers at all they're just coming as yogi people they just want to learn a little bit about sound and it is the sounds that we get from people from these workshops are just beautiful and harmonious and you know and, and people are elevated from it they just said oh my god I didn't know we could sound like that it just brings people to this magical place when you sing singing is so important and, and it's really strange in this day and age um I just not having any of that I'm not just not having that the government says we can't sing you broke my heart the other day to one of my clients who's 11 she came in and she was a bit upset and she said that a teacher in the playground has told her to stop singing and that just broke my heart and I just can't have that I'm sorry children have got to sing I know sad that's so sad. sad I know I just I wanted to to get your take on on something it's so fascinating I'm really mindful for a time we've gone forever but you know when when I think about um us as human beings I, I consider us all to be souls that are connected so energetically we're all connected on an energetic level there isn't any real true separation on the energetic level and that's vibrating constantly at whatever level of vibration the universe vibrates at and then I can tell you what that is actually can I just tell you that <laughs> so I was going to go on to this just quickly talk about the human resonance um so there are many different frequencies that have the capability to resonate with the human body but each frequency has a reason and a mission you will find that the 528 hertz is said to be the love frequency um the resonance and vibration of the earth is set at 7.83 hertz and this is the human resonance so nearly eight hertz is how is is what the sound of the universe is resonating at wow. so the yeah and that's called the schumann resonance so if that's resonating at nearly eight hertz how interesting is that when you look at where you're resonating at where plants are resonating at where the animals are resonating at um and i was gonna ask i think i was yeah gonna ask, you know if if the universe is resonating at a certain place and then individuals are resonating at a different and then if you went into a, maybe a one country country maybe resonates differently you know, groups of people together will resonate differently. I mean, is it is there an ideal resonance? Is it for beings to come back to the resonance of Earth for that to be their yes. optimum resonance? Yes, to cut to come back to the optimum resonance, we say that it's got to be the human resonance. But how interesting is this? Only in the last, I think it's only in the last three or four years, the human resonance is shifting. And there's a lot of people that are saying that's why there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment, because the, it's shifting. It's shifting because the earth is shifting in its consciousness. So the human resonance is shifting. And we've got to go through that change. There's a big sound vibrational change that's happening to us on earth. We look at that as well. There's lots of literature written around global warming because of this. Um, but it is all nature. It's all meant to be. It is all happening. Um, also a sort of base atmospheric electromagnetic resonant frequency of eight hertz, which means that atmosphere is continuously resonating with a radio frequency of eight hertz, along with progressively weaker harmonics. Um, and that's all called the Schumann resonance. So yeah, you're absolutely right. If So also as well, I mean, we were told that in our training that in, you know, in the second world war, 
a lot of the Nazi regime, they lowered frequencies. Where we're at a 442, that, that goes in harmonics with the Schumann resonance. So all our radio frequencies, even down to our washing machine, all sound is kind of pitched at that. But in the, they said the Nazis de 440 in order for us all to be slightly out of sync. And it's continued that way. So if you look online at 440 resonance and you look at 432, the 432 resonance has a better harmonics with the Schumann resonance, not 440. So even our washing machines are tuned to 440 now. So there's a lot of disin, dis, disbalancing for us. So can I just ask, this is probably a bit of a stupid question, but how does that happen? Like, how does something get tuned to a certain resonance? Is it done consciously, unconsciously? Yes, unconsciously, yes. By, it's all by, consciously. by who? By, how by, does by scientists. For what purpose? To keep people down, to keep people at a disadvantage to keep people not in harmonics, to keep people ill. I know this is a really hard thing to say. This is not me saying this, it's all the readings. It's all online if you wanna read this. Mm. Um, it's to, to mess with us. So we're not at balance. So we maybe go to Big Pharma maybe more. If we were tuned to more harmonics and we were tuned more to where the plants are harmonizing and the animals are harmonizing at, maybe we'll feel better. Well, quite, when we step, I mean, for me, I know the, the minute I can feel my energy shift very quickly if I'm in a certain group of people or I hear, I mean, this morning I woke up to the radio had gone on. My husband listens to the news as he wakes up and the negativity that woke as I, I, and I felt my, and I just rolled over and I went, turn it off. I said, just yeah. turn it off. I said, we yeah. don't hear that as we're waking up. And as it turned off and I kind of, and then I didn't sound, but actually I consciously thought of something that I knew was going to make me feel differently. And then again, if I go out into nature and I spend time, you know, just with my feet on the earth and trees around me and, you know, no, no electronics, I'll feel completely different in, internally. And, yeah. you know, the way I think, the way I feel, how I'll respond, my health will look different. So oh. I mean, it's, it's a no brainer, really, isn't it? It's a no brainer. Absolutely. It's a no brainer. Look at, you know, everybody knows and everybody feels if you go into nature, you are going to feel better. Scientific fact. And that is because of where it's resonating at. Nature resonates at the same harmonics as where the earth is resonating and the animals. So when we go into that animal kingdom and we go into the plant kingdom, we'd have a sense of tranquility about it because it's trying to pull us into harmonics with them. Mm. It isn't, it's a no brainer, you know? I don't know anyone that says, oh, I've gone into nature and I really feel bad, I've got a headache. Mm. It doesn't, you go into nature to get rid of those things, you know, to yeah. try and find some harmonics and balance. I mean, if we just look at the way nature always is looking for balance, it doesn't matter what we do to it, it will fight back to come to balance in its own yes. way. It's collaborative, it works together, it, nature looks after each other. And, you know, no matter what man does, I mean, look at Chernobyl, you know, 30, 40 years on, however long it is, you know, we've got plants growing in trees and, you know, abundant mm -hmm. crops. I'm sure the earth isn't particularly good and you wouldn't want to live there but plant but but all all being said and done nature is doing its best to to heal itself yes absolutely it is. yeah a lot we could learn ourselves by paying attention to the vibration of nature and and how we could make that resonate for ourselves. so yeah. I, I guess i wanted to ask if if somebody was to take something away from this podcast that you could sort of pass on as a message to them about sound therapy and sound healing and I'm sure Daniel's got some stuff he probably wants to add to this but what would you say what's your takeaway 
Okay, one of the things I always say to people is your voice is the essence of you, mm. fact. So, so if, if, if you can sit quietly and explore your voice through your body, that is one of the most powerful tools you can have to use for your health, for communication skills, for an abundance of things. But I always say to people, look at your voice. Your voice is your healer. Beautiful. Um, Maria, one question that we ask everybody, um, because this podcast is about well-being, about healing and about self-care, is what, what, what do you do to look after yourself? What's your kind of self-care plan and how do you how do you keep yourself in check? <laughs> um, well, I sing a lot. Obviously, I sometimes think, God, you know, I've got the most amazing job because I'm constantly singing. So that's going to be a constant health benefactor for me. Um, so I would say to people, just sing as much as you can. But also, I do have this tendency, I think, to, um, you know, I'm. A, I do think a lot and sometimes that's not always good. And in my training, you know, we look at your three levels of being, your mental level, your physical level, your emotional level, you know, one of them is gonna be more prominent than the other. And sometimes I think, you know, in the West we are in our heads a lot. So with all this work I've been doing, I tend to go as soon as I'm up in my head too much, I'm really good at going, Oh, no, 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 no. Let's just do a few little things to get you out and not think about you again. Um, and I've got quite good at that. And so I would love to say to everybody, you know, these things are a practice. They don't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. But if you if you can continually sort of say mantras or things that you want to bring in or things that you want to get rid of, if you're saying them and hearing them as a sound, you're almost bringing in and getting rid of it just by that. And I'd say that's my well-being. Uh, constant things I say to get rid of things and bring things in and it works yeah is that okay <laughs> it's amazing, amazing. <laughs> yeah. and I just talk to myself a lot yeah and I think I really encourage people to talk to themselves and talk it's, aloud it's you know? so powerful isn't it learning how to self-soothe yourself whether yeah. it's how you talk to yourself or the yeah. actions that you take or I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely, there's such absolutely. simple things, but, simple you know, things. such fundamental things that make sense. One of the difference. hardest things that our teacher asked everybody to do was to look in the mirror at yourself and sing your name. People were like, I'm not doing that. And even when I, I had to look at myself and go, Maria, and it was like, oh, my God, this is really weird. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But it is. Some people just can't do it. Some people have a throat block. They go, and they go to do it. But do it because it's hilarious. And when you're singing your name to yourself, because also your name's a big thing, you didn't give yourself that name. So people have a lot of resistances to their name when people say it, how it's said, um, where it's said in the body. So when you take control of your own name, you take, you take your name back by singing it to yourself in the mirror or saying it to yourself and look yourself in the eye and say it with conviction, see how you feel. If there's a real, Oh, Daniel, I don't know if I like to say that or I love that, then say it louder. But if there's any resistance to your name, the more you sing it and the more you do it, it just softens. And even just having that makes you feel better because you've actually you, you've had, you've had got a relationship with your name, which is quite powerful. Mm. It's not something we think about, is it? Our name is given to us by someone else. So we don't have a choice. So when we hear someone calling us, how does that make you feel in the body we are someone? Where, what's going on? 
Mm. And that's a huge start. That's a big start. I think that's great. I've got some homework to do tonight. I'm going to sing in the mirrors myself tonight. <laughs> my, poor na- my poor husband and neighbours. <laughs> I don't care. And the video, I'd love to see it. No, no one's seeing it. <laughs> to everybody if you can start there you know if you can get over that that's quite a big thing to sing your name to yourself in the mirror and sing to yourself it's, it's a beautiful thing Brilliant. and if, you, if there is resistance work on it because at the end of the day you shouldn't have resistance about yourself it's only you sort it out you know you can easily sort that out really Maria, I, 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 we could talk to you for hours and I think we have to have you back on to maybe go into some more depth another time okay. it's just he's been it's always illuminating and interesting and you know the words that are coming to me as I reflect on this is like I feel like through sound you can really reclaim yourself in some way yeah absolutely you can get a wee bit lost along the way it's it's easily done isn't it with everything that's going on in the world especially now but like sound feels like it's yet another doorway to come home to yourself so thank you so much for your time and for sharing your wisdom um it's been absolutely fascinating so grateful oh thank you thank you for having me i've loved it oh good um just before we finish and i tell you about some of the other guests that are coming on in the next few weeks hopefully maybe daniel you would is there anything else you'd like to say no just a big thank you to maria i definitely think we should get maria back um probably me and you can just talk about going out in London over yeah. the nineties and see that. Exactly. Yeah. It might cost us a fortune in royalties. <laughs> but no, thank you, Maria. I, I, oh, I just yeah, pleasure. it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. I'd love to come back. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Maria. So um, coming up in the next. Uh, several episodes we're speaking to people um, about yoga we're speaking to people about identity and sexual identity and their sense of self how they choose to identify themselves as um, women men or otherwise in the community Um, we're also going to be speaking to um, a nutritionist around food and mental health um, and um, some really exciting people coming up next year looking um, at food foraging Um, mental health mindfulness and many other topics so um, keep tuning in keep listening to our experts and insightful engaging people talking about how they take care of themselves Um, and uh, have a beautiful day thank you for joining us bye bye